Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that if you aim for opponent's head when they're going through the neutral zone, sometimes you're going to have to sit an extra game. And I think ben, Brendan Bushy is going to learn that lesson the hard way. I'm Weldy, uh, sitting here with Andrew. We're going to talk uh, things, you know, Husky hockey, college hockey. Uh, we got a week off uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, or for the next couple of weeks, uh, as we're kind of gearing up for uh, maybe some World Juniors time, and uh, so it's going to be kind of a random, loosey goosey show, in my opinion. Let's just uh, kind of see where everything kind of takes us. What do you What do you think about that? I know it'll be a, a large departure from our our normal, highly organized, <laughs> um, very focused, no tangents, uh, <laughs> regular season podcast. So bear with us. Yep, you. Yeah, usually we are incredibly structured, and we stay on schedule, and we do not go off script, but now, ooh, all yeah. bets are off. We certainly never talk about TV. Hey, I saw that uh, Better Call Saul finale. Um, yeah, ooh. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not saying we, we shouldn't go on those tangents, because we never do, but I did see the, the finale, finally. That's mm, redundant. Gotcha. But. And... Uh, you know, for the spoiler, uh, people and, and whatnot without going into too much detail, I guess I don't know the statute of limitations anymore of what's a spoiler and what's not. Um, I feel like it still would be maybe if a year goes by, uh, two years, I don't, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. I have never watched the end of the wire. Okay. I feel like if that is spoiled for me, that's on me. Like, yeah, I think by that's now fair. I should have watched the end of it. Um, I I have season five left. Uh, people have said season five isn't that good. I coming from a print journalism background and hearing about it, I'm actually really intrigued by it. But it's just it's a heavy show, so it's like really got you know to have that commitment. So I haven't I haven't finished it. But like that's uh, what early two thousands uh, TV. So I'm it's like that, that's kind of on me. Yeah. If uh, if that, but uh, I don't know, like you know, spoiling Game of Thrones now, you could probably spoil Game of Thrones, I think. Better Call Saul, I think it's too soon. But anyway, the whole point of my tangent on this, again, so scripted, so to a T with our podcast. Um, how'd you, how'd you like the end of Better Call Saul? I, I really didn't care for the last three seasons of Better Call Saul, actually. So th- it was a bit mm-hmm. of a slog to 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 get through season six. I remember, I remember we had that discussion once and I, I think it's a take. I will say I, that. I, I love it. I, I know I'm, I'm well aware. I think there's a lot of emperor has no clothes when it comes to that series, because with breaking bad and it's shadow, I think a lot of people think that Gilligan and company cannot do any wrong. So it's very difficult to criticize them. Um, and I'll say that season six was, was the best of the last three. All of those would be under the first three seasons. But I like that season six had like the flash forward. You had a part of the series Mm -hmm. that you didn't know the outcome of, which is sort of the trap of a prequel 
series. So yeah. I, I liked, although I, I, I thought the, actually I thought the epilogue kind of drug on a little too long. Didn't need to be four, four and, episodes long, but it was okay. Uh, like I said, there was some more, some loose ends were tied up and I, I, I wasn't floored by the finale itself, uh, the final episode, but I got through it. It's I'm done with it. So there's that. Yeah. You're done with it. Close, close the, uh, I don't know if they have like a overarching theme of the, the sequel, the saga, I guess. I don't know if it's like the, the meth chronicles or something like that. They, yeah. They got to have some kind of catchy, like a song of ice and fire type it's name. It's the breaking bad so universe. Bra- breaking yeah. bad universe. Yeah. Breaking bad averse. There you go. So to speak. So, um, yeah, I've been, I've been loving the, uh, the pod meets world, uh, podcast, which is the, uh, boy meets world. It's got Daniel Fischel, Ryder Strong, and Will Friedell, and they're recapping old episodes of Boy Meets World, doing some behind-the-scenes stories. So I've been following up with that. So I'll watch an episode of Boy Meets World, listen to the podcast, and kind of go on the journey yeah. with them. Um, as a as somebody who's been a huge fan of Boy Meets World for years, this has been like a huge treat for me. <laughs> so it's been it's been a lot of fun to do that. Yeah. My second favorite podcast, obviously. After this of one. course, so so exactly. Um, so a little bit of Husky news, uh, Brendan Bushy, uh, did end up getting, uh, the ban hammer, uh, suspension laid down and he is going to miss a game and it turns out it's going to be the most important game probably ever. <laughs> so I, 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 I don't know. Um, so he, he's going to sit for the exhibition game and, um, I can't believe that that's okay. I mean, obviously I'm happy that, you know, Brennan Bushy is going to, you know, be available for the big gopher series, et cetera, et cetera. But like as a overall league rule, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Because my original thought was suspending for an exhibition game. It's not a real game. It shouldn't even count. Right. I, I, uh, I was very surprised to see that. I, I'm wondering if if they didn't have this exhibition game, would they have still suspended him? I, I'm wondering if this fits into like a like a Heather a, Weems controversy that he Well there's it's a unique situation, first of all, because generally the exhibition games, at least for St. Cloud, I know they've played the US the under eighteen team mid season. Yeah, the under eighteen, yeah. But for the majority of their exhibition games, they're the first, you know, the, they're before the first game of the season. You know what I mean? Like they're generally like before the season starts. So you really can't. You, obviously, you're, the league wouldn't be in a position to sus- suspend somebody for an exhibition game if the season hasn't started yet. You know what I mean? So this is a unique situation in that they play a midseason exhibition game. And it's like, is is this the middle ground of we can suspend you for a game here to quote unquote, show you a lesson, but it's not going to be, it's not going to hinder your team very much because it's an exhibition game, which obviously doesn't count in pairwise. It's a meaningless game other than it's good to get, it's good to knock rust off and just don't get anybody injured. Those are the two main goals of an exhibition game. And I'm glad they're playing it. Like I said, I'd rather go into that go for series with an exhibition game under their belt rather than having a month between games. 
But from Bushy's perspective, he probably wasn't even going to play much in this game anyway. I mean, I don't think your top lines are going to get a ton of action. They'll get some, like I said, to knock the rust off. But this is a, you know, this is James Gray's Super Bowl. He's probably going to be playing half the game. <laughs> uh, you're going to see a lot of the guys. Rosborough is going to be playing 20 minutes plus, I bet. And guys that get scratched regularly are going to get the bulk of action. So I don't even know how much Bushy would have played had he been available. So I don't know if this is an opportunity for the conference to, you know, make a quasi statement, but as it is, I, I, it does feel strange. Like if, if you, if you were going to suspend him, you should make, you should suspend him for an actual game. One that counts. Um, what do you think? Well, here's my take is that not only like, I don't know the best way to articulate this. So I think that if you are suspended for a play in a conference game, your suspension actually shouldn't happen until the next conference game. Like your impact should have like weight in the conference points attached to it. So even having, you know, being out for the Minnesota game, doesn't really do much for Miami or anybody else in the NCHC. Like it doesn't really affect anything because no conference points are attached to the game against Minnesota. And not only that, you might even be hurting your conference because you're not putting your best player or in this case, you know, a, a, a strong defensive minded presence against a high octane offense which pairwise common opponents you know things that could really help you know other teams try to creep up in the pairwise so it's really actually hurting the conference more that way so yeah that's interesting i i think that i think you should you know if it's a conference game and you get suspended that it, you should just serve it in the next conference game no matter who the next conference opponent is that's my thought I feel it's it's kind of weird too that that these uh, this disciplinary these decisions are made by each conference. It feels like it'd be better suited for just one, like the NCAA, as a central body to decide suspensions because you know conferences could sort of you know I'm not saying take advantage of it, but you know like. And so I, I, I guess it's if it's like a uh, you know a, a, a non-conference game and there was a suspension or there was a bad hit, uh, like so let's say this happened in the Gopher series and Bushy got a five-minute major for hitting a Gopher player, like then you he now you have parade. now you have the NCHC <laughs> a parade down division is what he. It's uh, well played, but I'm saying like then you have the position of the NCHC having to to suspend their own player against another league. Like you have a a potential of you know a conference not wanting to do that in order for I don't know competitive advantage of some sort. And so you'd think that the the system as it is with each conference divvying up their own discipline that it has a potential of being gamed. I'm not saying that is the case, but I just don't know why it doesn't come down from like the NCAA. Why don't they just take care of it as a central body rather than leaving it up to all the conferences? I, I'm not sure, but uh, 
Yeah, as it is, I, I like that idea of if it's a conference suspension, it should affect conference play. So in your dream world, or your ideal here, he'd be sitting against, uh, what, CC? I think that's their next conference game the week uh, after the Gopher uh, home and home. I believe it's uh, CC at home. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting I hadn't thought of it that way, but uh, you, you make a good point. I'm with it. I that's think I'm do. with it. I, I think I'm with you on this one. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. Um, I get what you're saying about the overarching, like, have one body handle suspensions for all. No way. Yeah, you're right. No way that the NCAA would even do that. Well, you have a point there. You know, though. So... I, I mean, they're yeah, really I, not yeah. Gonna care. They, they, they're really not going to care what the, what's the yeah, best no, for college hockey. You're right. Uh, no one has ever said, "Hey, wait, the NCAA can fix this." Uh, <laughs> those words. I got. Ha- I got been, an idea. I got. Said. Hey, hey, hear me. Hey, 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 hear me out. Let's have the NCAA handle. <laughs> They've never had any bad ideas. It's all good ideas. What could go wrong? Yeah. Exactly. So yes, uh, CC at at home that would be in my in my scenario. So but uh, so yeah, we'll just uh, miss him for the home game uh, against Minnesota, which I guess is punishment enough because that usually has uh, the you know some of the best atmosphere. So, but um, yeah, so that uh, came down shortly after I hit publish on our. Um, well, we speculated episode, on really. it. I mean, we we thought that that might yeah. be a possibility. I just didn't think that they would suspend him just for the exhibition game. But um, yeah, that when because I I got that from Sloshman. So when he tweeted that, I was like, "This is you know, I'm I'm happy for it, obviously, as a Saint Cloud State fan, but as a person of integrity like myself, you know, it's uh, it doesn't feel right." Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so, um, you know, maybe a little bit of breaking news. The um, uh, World Junior uh, schedule or um, uh, roster has been finalized, and they had their uh, you know, first pre-tournament game against Finland, where they won five to two. Uh, so it's um. Sound like it was a little bit uh, rough in the first period, but uh, they kind of started getting a little bit better and uh, as as the game went on. So I didn't get a chance to watch it, but um, you know we've got uh, Jack Pert, uh, which according to the USA Hockey Line chart, the phonetic spelling is P U H R T, one syllable. So Peart. I I don't think uh, NC or USA Hockey has it like that. I think USA Hockey has as pert. Just when I was committing so, to peart, um, right? Exactly. Because that was That's my like original the one that we've actually yeah, my met. my original yeah. thing when we mentioned on the podcast. I'm going Neil Pert from from Rush. I'm who spells the yeah. name the same. So I was going pert the entire time, or at, at least at first. And then as more people were using peart, it sort of started to grow on me a little bit and maybe it's like what's maybe, your favorite rush song did we talk about that what's your favorite it was kind of like none of the above i'm not like a huge rush fan like they're okay but i just mm-hmm. i don't really get into them i'm not even like i like prog rock but not like they're like more like space rock not not a huge fan of that but i he's talented i, I think it, he's a really it, good drummer is, but just not my is it getty lee's voice is that is, is that what does yeah, it yeah yeah that's 
it's too Canadian for me. Let's put it that way. Ah, gotcha. 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 That's well, those Canadian artists. I tell you, those. Yeah. And we're talking world juniors here. So, you know, you know, screw Canada. <laughs> That's how. Yeah. You got a point there. So uh, I'm a free will uh, or limelight or kind of my two. So I've been actually having like a deep dive lately into queen. Okay. I got a hot take. Ready? Queen? Really good. They are, they <laughs> like, are pretty, pretty good. Like, uh, so I've been going through some of their albums, like just their, you know, obviously their full albums, Night at the Opera, Day at the Races, which obviously Marx Brothers. I was going to say, there's um, a theme here. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, jazz, the game. Um, it's... Uh, news of the world like they're even they're like deep cuts and whatnot that you don't hear on the uh, classic rock stations like there's some really good songs mixing some ballads too it's turns out queen is good Freddie mercury he's a good singer yeah i always thought they're good i guess i've never done the deep dives like you were just saying though maybe maybe you're giving me an idea here but um that's good Jazz, jazz so far has been my favorite, but it also has "Don't Stop Me Now," which obviously is what I tweet out after Husky's win. Yeah, what else is on that album? So, like, n- name just a, a song or two. What? Uh, let me. What album is uh, is somebody to love on? That might be my favorite Queen song. It's a great shower song. Belted out in the shower. Yeah. Um. Jazz has Fat Bottom Girls, Bicycle Race, oh. uh, Don't Stop Me Now is kind of the the big ones on that one. That's good. No, they're they're good. I need to do some deep dives on 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 them. It's a good wreck. Similar to Queen, I I went on a deep dive. I think they're similar in in terms. Electric Light Orchestra, ELO. Oh, ELO. Yeah, they've kind of got that sort of campy orchestral kind of multi-layered but very catchy beatles-esque pop songs yellow's got some bangers uh showdown yeah. oh my god you want to get me jazzed up for whatever we're doing throw on some of that uh yellow's got a ton of great hits um yeah this is uh this is the boomer hour uh presented by a couple <laughs> of millennials but hey it's the best music just because I wasn't living when it happened doesn't mean it's not the best. Um, I read also that like ELO was like created after the Beatles. They, yeah. Like it was supposed to be like how yeah. they would have continued on. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Jeff Lynn um, is, he was a Beatles fanatic and you can really kind of tell it's the catch, the hooks and the, the catchiness and yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Day at the Races has uh, somebody to love. All right. With Tie Your Mother Down, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, uh, you and I. It's, um, if you ever have a chance, I think on YouTube, there's Freddie Mercury, like, only vocals of somebody to love. Oh. Like, all the instrumentals are dropped and whatnot. It's so cool to listen to. Is that like the... Um... Um, I, that like the the isolated track they have with the Van, isolated track. Van Halen's uh, "Running with the Devil." Um, you, you, you get uh, David Lee Roth just uh, 
scream the entire time. It's <laughs> it's good stuff. It's yeah, no, no, this is actually fun to listen. <laughs> so anyway, what were we talking about? Neil Pert, Jack Pert. Number one, we said that we're very tight and organized. <laughs> this is uh, tight, tangent organized. number two. Anyway, he was uh, he's li- he was listed as uh, first D pairing with Luke Hughes from Michigan. So uh, not too bad, uh, not not too shabby. I remember, you know, he made a lot of mistakes his freshman year, but when he went to World Juniors last year, I remember watching him and like I could really see a lot of potential. Um, and maybe that type of style suited his game a little bit more. So I'm excited to kind of see how he does. Uh, going forward here in this tournament. Um, you know, kind of a lot of who's who also for um, NCHC. Because uh, obviously you're going to have your Minnesotas, your Michigans. They're going to have always a strong contingent. But uh, Red Savage um, is the assistant um, who uh, the Huskies just saw from, uh, from Miami. Uh, Jackson Blake, who... Uh, I believe he had a goal from North Dakota in the uh, that's right. series against St. Cloud. So uh, Noah Laba from Colorado College. Uh, remember, um, also with the goalie, uh, Caden Emberko. So it's uh, uh, Sean Barons is yeah. also the assistant captain from Denver. So there's uh, a, a good smattering of um, NCHC contingent uh, there on, on this squad this year. Of course, yeah, everybody had it that Colorado College leading the NCHC in World Juniors representation with two. Yeah, but Michigan and Minnesota, uh, nine players. Nine players? Nine players. Nine times. Nine times. But between those two teams, ten actually, if you count Chaz Lucius, who played the Gophers last year, bolted for the AHL. Um, So... 10, I guess, if you if you count, you know, spanning back to last year, uh, who uh, Lucius played for. So that's not a surprise that these World Juniors rosters has been littered by Big Ten guys, you know, in recent years. Um, interestingly, those two teams, Michigan and Minnesota, that we're mentioning, they do not play regular games. The Gophers have an exhibition game against Bemidji during the World Juniors. Um, I think it's like the... 31st or the 1st of January, one of those two dates. Uh, but Michigan, notably, backing out of the GLI this year. But mm-hmm. probably by design. I mean, if that if that tournament is generally when it is, which is like the few first few days after Christmas, like midweek between Christmas and New Year's, that's in the heart of World Juniors time. And better for Michigan to just say, we ain't going to schedule any games there than have to do some last minute. Yeah. We're not going to play this game. Uh, and, and leave their opponent out to dry. So maybe see that going forward with like these big 10 teams, just leaving this, that week or week and a half, really two weeks of scheduling kind of leaving that blank. Um, at least with, pairwise implicated games like maybe get an exhibition game for the rest of the team to to play in but um you know might be smart for those teams to to not play games that matter um when they have a chunk of their roster uh at the world juniors Mm -hmm. so 
Great Lakes is Michigan Tech, Western Michigan, uh, Ferris State, and Michigan State. That's correct. They're playing that in uh, Grand Rapids this year. So not not in Detroit. Van Andel. Van Andel Arena in uh, Grand Rapids. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Ferris State might be like the de facto home team. At least they're the closest school to that rink. I think Michigan Tech is always the home team of the GLI because they're the ones that organized it and founded the tournament. So I think they're always kind of, it's their tournament and everyone else is playing in it. But So it, they have the Broadmoor Trophy. <laughs> they have the GLI tournament. Like, it, it, it's just Michigan Tech just a lot pioneer of, of yeah, everything. A lot uh, of elitism uh, up there, up yeah. there in Houghton. Very haughty in Houghton. It's oh, Hottie and Houghton. <laughs> Have you ever been to Houghton? Been through it, yeah. Have yeah. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, I did a road trip to the UP. Uh, and then also to, to did like a road trip throughout all of Michigan. And um, beautiful city. I mean, it was, it, that was in the summertime, though. So I, I, I can't, I haven't been there in the winter when it's mm. a little nippy. Um, but um, yeah, gorgeous. Lake effects, no. Gorgeous. Uh, and I drove by the campus in the arena, too. It's right on the right on the river. I don't know what river it is. Um, but there's like, you cross this like bridge to get into Hancock. I think it's like the town that's across the, the river from them. Uh, it's a very scenic, um, it's like a mini Duluth almost. It, it, it struck me kind of, it had a Duluth vibe to it, but on a much sure. smaller scale. I want to say a few years ago, like, Gordon Ramsay did a stop there and like actually ate like at one of the small restaurants and, and whatnot. And like did little chit chat with the servers and whatnot about like, I just, how lovely this whole place is and how gorgeous the upper peninsula is and whatnot. So I'll try to find that article again. It was kind of really interesting. Send that on. And I'm also, uh, a, a pretty, pretty, pretty avid uh, Jordan Ramsey fan. So I, I, I love it when he swears it. Too. That's good. I can't, can't help it. So. Um, but yeah. So, uh, World Juniors. It's um another kind of highly touted college hockey heavy team. I think there's only one player on the roster. I think that uh, a couple. plays in major juniors. I thought they said 21 of the 25. So I think there's four that, oh, there's four? Okay. that are junior players. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's become uh, annual tradition for the U.S. team. That's generally getting their roster from, from the NCAA. Uh, pretty stark comparison to Canada, which just one NCAA player on their roster, and that is Fantilli another Michigan player. So that's five Michigan players on the U S team. And then you add Fantilli, maybe their best player, at least their best forward, um, on the Canadian team. So, so yeah, missing six guys. Uh, But like I said, they don't have a game to play during this stretch. They don't have a game game to back out. That's right. That's right. So it's not gonna, shouldn't affect them that much. But it did already affect them because Fantilli missed that Michigan state series. They had, because he was already playing Canada's camp which I thought was a little early. I, I don't think that was really necessary from Canada's perspective, although Canada does take this uh, a little bit more seriously than the U.S. does. Uh, this uh, this, this yeah. tournament, a uh, big deal in Canada, uh, and this is the third straight year that they're hosting it. 
in uh, Halifax and Moncton, so the uh, eastern province, maritime provinces of Canada, uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. Um, finals will I, oh, the the pool play for for the U.S. will be in Moncton, but then the uh, quarterfinals and and finals will be in in Halifax. So, uh, you know, it'll be a, obviously a partisan crowd, uh, Canadians there, and, and it should be some, some good hockey. I mean, it's been, it, it's been a, a good tournament. The US, we've seen like, the, the growth of U.S. hockey over the years, it just as how competitive they become. They become Canada's main rival, I think. Um, even notwithstanding this year, obviously, Russia not, involved in this world juniors for political reasons. Um, but even if I, I think that the U S is, has really um, staked their claim as sort of a, ma- a major rival here. Obviously got the other traditional powers, Finland, Sweden, they're always going to bring their game too. So I think that, um, but I think that you got to look at U S and Canada as being sort of your two, y- y- the two teams to look for here. Um, and, uh, well, I, if these two teams meet, would really like to see that action. Um, what, yeah. what are you looking for here? Uh, so we got, um, Pecknold on, uh, I mean, behind the bench first time for him, Quinnipiac coach. So, yep. um, interesting to see how he puts his stamp on it. Um, I don't feel like we've had, we had Lehman last year, but you know, Motsko had it, uh, ran the team a couple of years, winning it one year. For the U.S. and I think losing in the title game the second year, um, and he was kind of the, a rare repeat coach mm-hmm. for them. Canada, on the other hand, will generally have some consistency in coaching. Like their coach will be have the junior team for a couple of years. It is a little different how Canada and the U.S. Um, uh, handle, you know, manage what do you, the juniors. What do you think about that? Like, do you think USA should just? pick one coach to do that and just kind of go through it's... it or since it's kind of a hodgepodge you you can go year by year and you could use it as a recruiting tool that you've got that experience i don't know like i i, I can see both sides of it yeah i i i, I wish we had a, a better world juniors person to respond to this i because i i just think from I don't know how much of a disruption this is for Canadian juniors. For all I know, do the OHL and WHL and QMJHL, do they take breaks in their season um, to accommodate world juniors players missing? I, I, I don't know. I think it is different because college is the main supplier of players for the U S whereas that's not the case for the Canadians basically coming from the junior ranks is where they're plucking their players from. So I don't know if that, if that would be such a difference that the different approach of coaching is preferable to have sort of a one-off coach every year, like the U S does. If you are taking other college players, I think it would make sense to have a college coach in place for that. And like you said, I think it can be a prestige job for these coaches, which they can then use as, a recruiting, a recruiting tool or a chip that they can say, Hey, you can, you can, you know, play under me, a world juniors seasoned coach. Um, hmm. and 
I've coached Team USA before. Uh, and so uh, it, I think it works from the, from the U.S.'s perspective. Canada's been more successful with the World Juniors historically, but they had a pretty big head start basically as a yeah. as a program. So, you know, I don't think we've like I don't think we USA had taken it seriously until mid 2000s. Right. <laughs> At least that's kind of what it feels like. Right. Um and for first you- game on the 26th uh against Latvia, uh then Slovakia and Switzerland on the 28th, 29th and the 31st against Finland. All games are at three o'clock central time. And then second, fourth, and fifth are the quarterfinals, semi, and we'll know games. Yeah, I, it's it feels like it's been a, a bit since I've really gotten into World Juniors. And it feels like I've said that on this podcast in years past, saying that I'm going to commit to watching more World Juniors. Let's hope I can stick to it this year. Um, well, I mean, and... In your fairness, I mean, they're bury these games yeah, on NHL. That, that has been the I issue. I mean, you can't do that. That I think that's the biggest thing hampering this tournament because I think this is the most fun tournament to watch bar none. And I would even put this up there against the Olympics of professional, somewhat professional. Well, it's, over, it certainly like, is this, an upgrade from the, the, the previous two Olympics where they've had. Yeah. AHL grinders and a couple of college. It's younger. It's faster. And you have players that make mistakes and that leads to exciting hockey. Yeah. You know, when you get two amazing teams going up against each other that are, don't make a lot of mistakes that leads to a boring hockey game. (laughs) It's usually not a lot of chances back and forth, but um, bearing these on NHL network, you got to get these on ESPN. Even ESPN Plus, but I mean ESPN Two, I think would kind of be the shoe in. I mean, these are three o'clock games. What do you, what do you, what are you doing in the winter at three o'clock? Like you, you got to get these off NHL Network, and I would, I, and the reason why I say that is because just NHL Network is just not in a lot of houses because it's tucked into like a fourth or fifth tier, like not even on the sports package. Right. Um. I think Sling has it, and then obviously Fubo. Um, but it's those are kind of your two options for for streaming. And Fubo is ridiculously expensive. I think it's like seventy bucks a month. Um, but I've got YouTube TV that uh, doesn't have it. That has CBS Sports, which is why I have YouTube TV. Um, but um, Hulu, I don't think has it. Hulu and Live TV doesn't have it, and then. You know, Charter is what I have in my area. They, again, they have it on like some obscure tier that I have to pay up the wazoo for a bunch of other channels that I don't have. So that's the main thing holding this tournament back. Because I bet if this gets in front of more people and more eyes watch the World Juniors, you're going to convert a lot more hockey fans. Wondering, like, wondering out loud when they played this, the rescheduled 2022 world juniors in august speculating out loud like yeah maybe it's better not to play in the middle of the season maybe moving it to a to a point in the schedule where it's not disrupting other teams as regular season schedules maybe that would be a benefit i i don't think august is a great time though for it Um, but and i don't really know what what a better time would be you could push it off past the college season but then you're going to bump up into nhl playoffs um, you could maybe bump it into yeah. like September, like right before the college hockey season, late September, maybe 
but that's again a kind of a weird time to to play hockey. They did that with like that World Cup of but, Hockey, uh, which who yeah. knows if that's ever going to come back. Just, but the one year they did it in 2016, that was in like September, because again they didn't want to disrupt the regular season. And I don't feel like that came off swimmingly. There was multiple issues that that didn't come off swimmingly, mm-hmm. but. That might have been one of them. So maybe this is the best time to do it. Obviously, it is sort of a, nat- I, a natural lull in the NCAA schedule. It, and that's the thing is that we do have this lull of a couple of, um, you know, teams not scheduling and games. Canada, they don't have to. Canada and, doesn't care about NCAA scheduling. Like I said, they don't take their players yeah. from that either. Yeah. So for them, oh it, yeah, it um, might not. All matter. the Canadian leagues. All the Canadian leagues are still playing yeah, throughout this team. They just it's probably similar to the, these NCAA teams. They might have to play short a man or two for for a couple of games. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, as long as you're not a Michigan who's going to miss six guys uh, in, in a situation like that, which I don't think is the case. Just glancing at the Canadian roster, right? It's not like I saw the same OHL team over and over and over again. It's not like you're going to be completely yeah. gutted. So they'll make it work with with missing one of their studs for a, for a game or two or three. So yeah, I'm gonna try my darndest to watch some more World Juniors this year, and I'll let you know if I stick to that. All right, perfect. Sounds good. Um, let's uh, kind of run down the standings here, but first, uh, I believe we're going to take a quick ad break. So, um. I believe we've got the uh, sponsor here for, for for this episode. So, um, uh, yeah, so stick uh, stay tuned here for um, just kind of run through the standings, and then we'll predict the second half of the standings, kind of where, where we see everything going. But uh, take a quick uh, listen to our sponsor. That's right. Well, today's podcast is brought to you by Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is St. Cloud's number one spaghetti stand. We've revolutionized the way you think about spaghetti. No need for a fork and plate. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs is spaghetti on the go. Think of it like an ice cream cone of spaghetti. Our delicious spaghetti is served in an equally delicious warm garlic bread cone, all held together by one of our signature meatballs at the bottom. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs has a long history serving St. Cloud. It all goes back to 1921, when George Michaelopoulos arrived in St. Cloud from his native Greece After the Great War, he had one dream, to open up a spaghetti stand. He scrimped and saved for eight years, and finally opened up at George's Spaghetti Shack on Lake George in September 1929. Unfortunately for George and for all of St. Cloud, the stock market crash of 1929 happened just three weeks after George's Spaghetti Shack opened. George was ruined, and so was the business. But... In, 19, er, in 2022, Nick Michaelopoulos revived his grandfather's dream by opening Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Now, it's a portable business that can set up shop anywhere. Business parks, schools, sporting events, even weddings and funerals. Just call 1-888-GET-CLOUDY to set up your date with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That's 1-888-G-E-T-C-L-D-Y. Mention this ad and get a free extra meatball with your first order. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. When spaghetti just isn't enough. Well, I don't know about you, but that just sounds delicious. So thank you uh, to Cloudy with a chance of meatballs for uh, for being a sponsor of the podcast. Yes, indeed. 
So uh, let's take a look at the NCHC standings here. Uh, your your lovely Huskies uh, sitting in second with uh, 20 points right behind uh, Denver, who's got 23. Um, in third place, Colorado College. What the heck? Uh, 17 points. And Omaha in fourth at 15. Um, I, I, wow. And uh, tied at 13 points is Minnesota Duluth and Western Michigan. North Dakota sitting at seventh place with 12. And Miami, uh, fresh off their win, um, is still in the cellar with seven points. So, I mean, obviously with my disbelief as I'm going through the standings, yeah, there's no way anybody could have predicted this order uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, You know, Already, you hear the echoes of Fireberry from from North Dakota, uh, so so I think all is right with the world uh, when you <laughs> when you when you get that. But um, just uh, kind of off the top of your head, what uh, what are your thoughts about some of these teams, where their placements are, and uh, where things are going to kind of go from here? I guess I got to go back to the first episode or the season preview episode to get the exact I think I can get off the time I I know that I had Denver and Miami correct first and eighth I had those two right and I think I had Western Michigan in fifth and they're tied for fifth right now so I don't know if that counts but everything else was was off um I think that's better than what I did so yeah because I know that you had Denver third I was surprised by that did you have I North Dakota? Third, I, did you have North Dakota first? I had North Dakota first and Duluth second. And we both had St. Cloud fourth. Know that. Mm-hmm. And you had Omaha last. Um, I had Omaha last. Okay, so if you're going to redo your prediction, first of all, who do you got number one? We don't need to go through maybe all eight, but just first bullet point. I think it's basically between Denver and St. Cloud, and I would still take Denver. Um, I would still take Denver, yeah. I, I don't. Do, how about this? I, I don't think Denver's that. I don't put them on a pedestal. Like, I think they're a solid team. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, I don't think they're as I good mean, as they were last they year. They had a little trouble. Eh, they had a little trouble with Lindenwood. And again, I'm not a huge fan of Krona. Like, I, I think he's a little overrated. I think he can be beat. So, um, yeah, they're not as deep. They don't have nearly the scoring talent as they do from last year. So I don't, you know, NCHC, it's down this year. Um, for all yeah. the chest thumping that this conference loves to do about, oh, it's always a grind and, oh, we're the best in college hockey, et cetera, et cetera. Not anymore. And we knew this was going to happen because college hockey ebbs and flows all the time. The power's out east. It's out west. It goes back and forth with uh, with with different classes and whatnot. So it's um, it's been out west here for a while. Um, I think things have kind of moved out east now. Uh, but as far as kind of where we're at with overall the schedule, I think Denver is going to be number one uh, towards the end of the season. You know, they got us again uh, for St. Cloud. They got you know maybe a couple of couple of tougher battles eh, i mean they got one at western michigan one series there but i mean two against colorado college they're home against duluth uh 
or I'm sorry, four against Colorado College. Um, they're home against Duluth, so it's home against North Dakota, eh, home against Miami. Like it's, I, I think they got it kind of wrapped up here. They're really gonna have to stumble. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, talking about the NCHC and this being a a down year for the conference reminds me of the first year of the NCHC, which prior to this year, this year might turn out to be worse than that first year. Who knows? But I would think that that first year to date is the weakest year for the NCHC. Uh, It was the weakest year. And that year you had three teams get in. You had St. Cloud who won the Penrose um, and then lost in the first round of the playoffs to Miami, uh, if you remember. But were strong enough in pairwise to to still make a make the tournament, uh, winning the Penrose that year. Then you had North Dakota, who had to win the third place game in the NCHC tournament in order to make it to the uh, NCAA's, and then they ended up going to the Frozen Four. That was the uh, point six goal year. The point six seconds, yep. Against Minnesota. So they they barely made it in as a four seed, and then you had Denver. They they had to win against Western Michigan. In the and then Wisconsin yeah. had to win the Big Ten um, because they were playing, I think, maybe Ohio State, who would have been the last at-large team. I, think that, I, I, I can't remember. Taking their spot. I can't remember if, if North Dakota was dependent on that to win or not. I know they needed to win that yeah, Western game. It was, it was, okay. it was both. Okay. They needed both to happen. Both did happen. So then they got paired up in the first round against Wisconsin. Wisconsin. And then they end up winning and going to the Frozen <laughs> And then they ended up beating Wisconsin. So it's, uh, hey, thanks for letting us into the tournament. So, so yeah, team, uh, team barely, barely making the, the field and needing help in order to do that. And then you had Denver. And then they played they played Ferris F and State that year, yep. too, in the second. In the that went final. to two overtimes. Right. In the regional final, that went to two overtimes. So then you also had Denver make the tournament uh, as the sixth the sixth place team. Uh, and they won the NCHC tournament that year. They would not have made the tournament if not for winning. They wouldn't have made the NCAAs without winning the NCHC tournament. Is this year going to be somewhat similar, where you have two teams make it as at-larges and then have a third team win the tournament that would not have qualified if not for winning the, the NCHC tournament? Is that going to be perhaps the scenario, or are we maybe only going to have two teams in? I think that might be a definite sort of possibility here between those two options. And that that might come down to how we judge this season. If they're only getting two teams in, that's the first time the league hasn't gotten at least three in. Uh, And that very well might qualify it as as being the the worst uh, year of the conference. which is not to, Denver I mean, right now. Denver's forward pairwise. St. Cloud's at six. Um, and then, yeah, the next person in the cutoff is North Dakota at 21. Western Michigan's at 23. Omaha's at 25. So you got a, a clump of teams there in the, in the low 20s. And so, yeah, you might. Right now, if we need to, if, if a third team were to uh, qualify, it would need to be through the, uh, through the tournament the NCHC tournament winning that, which is definitely a possibility. I don't know. As far as trying to, to 
predict the rest of the standings the rest of the way. Like I said, Denver and St. Cloud being 1-2, I, I think is pretty solid. Um, I, I, I just don't see CC sticking at third. I don't really see Omaha sticking at fourth. And I, I don't see North Dakota sticking at seven, even though I'd love that. Um, who's, who's making a move here? Let, let's just say who, who you got for the home ice slots. Do you want, okay. Yeah. How about that? We, I, we could do home ice. We could do who's up, who's down, who gets up. Uh, how about your home you ice? Think I, I think, drops down? I think we're agreed that Denver and St. Cloud are, are pretty good bets to be two of the four teams that, that host in the first round. Who are your other two teams? that you got hosting a first round oh, playoff series. Wow. It's a tough one. That's that's tough. Um I'm going to go with Western Michigan. I'm going to go with Western Michigan and North Dakota. That's not bad. And and the reason why I say that is I think both of those teams can score goals. Yeah. Um and I think the biggest thing with Minnesota Duluth is they can't put the puck in the net. They've got 42 goals on the year. Miami is lowest with 41, and that's after a five-goal outing. But um, I I did not expect Minnesota Duluth to struggle this much scoring. Now, obviously, you know, Sandalin teams, you know, their bread and butter has become from that latch or that strong defensive play. but this is a whole new level of inept scoring that I don't think that they're going to be able to kind of to bump up Omaha. I'm not sold on them. I think they're just way too streaky. I mean, they had their chance there this last, this last series. Um, and they really just the laid an egg, um, by losing two different ways. Um, you know, where you were able to score, but you couldn't keep the puck out of your net. And then one where all of your scoring faltered and, that's you lose the same way over and over again. You know what your issue is, but when you, when you go back and forth against a team that you're really fighting against with Colorado college like that, that's, it's a little bit tougher to swallow. Um, and then, yeah, Colorado college. I just, I, I just don't see them as well. I don't seeing them in third is just kind of eye popping to me. I don't think they're going to stay there. Maybe in three years I could see it, but definitely not right now. So I, I, I feel them dropping. I, I don't like to say I think North Dakota. I still have my faith in them. Um, but I, I do think that they're going, to, they're going to jump up in Western Michigan as well. I'm tempted to put Omaha in that top four because, as we mentioned, their schedule is favorable. You know, their schedule is nice. Yeah. Done with Denver. Um, only one series with St. Cloud. It's home heavy in the second half. They got four home series versus three road series. Uh, in the second half, but as you said, I, I just don't trust that team to really get it done. Um, I think North Dakota is sort of the you know conventional choice here. You know, saying that they're seventh place is a little deceiving. I mean, they're three points behind Omaha, who's in fourth. I mean, that's just one yeah. the difference of one win, one three point win uh, separates fourth and seventh. Just five points separate seventh and third them in CC. Um, North Dakota has the be- of these six teams that we've mentioned or in the bottom ha- you know, the bottom six of the league right now. I think North Dakota has the, the, the better talent uh, of, of anyone. Um, 
they just haven't really played very well as a group. But, you know, thinking back to the Haxtell days, they saved their best uh, hockey for the second half. Yeah. And so maybe that is also Maybe that's what I'm triggered by. I've got that trauma of them just ripping off a 70% win percentage in the second half of the year. And Yeah. Yeah, and, and with, with CC, you know, their road, they, they've got one extra road series in the second half of the year, so a lot, a lot, of, uh, a lot of road games for them, plus those Denver games. Um, the, Den- the games that they play Denver at home sometimes are road contests just based on... Actually, one of those games is... Um, it's one of the Denver games, but they're moving it to the uh, Avalanche Arena mm-hmm. for, for one of those games. Um, I think in February. Um, so, but that's cool. That's cool. But just playing Denver at home or there, it's it's going to be tough. I think for CC to 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 beat them. So, I I think that the schedule kind of plays against CC. If I got to pick another team, though, I mean, I don't want to say the same as you, but I, I I think I do tend to agree that Western is probably better than. CC, I think Western's better than Omaha. Who knows? I mean, Omaha swept Western. Uh, I, I guess I yeah. can't quite say that confidently. And, and their goaltender, we talk about like DeRitter and Elston for North Dakota. Cameron Rowe has not been impressive for Western Michigan either. Mm-hmm. And talk, you're talking about Denver being a one-line team. Western Michigan is like That's... the one-line team. I mean, they're a super line. That line is... I think all three of those guys are in thing like the top ten or twelve nationwide in points. All those individual players. So, but do they have enough? Do they have the depth beyond that line? Um, is is the question? To be special, I'll say North Dakota, and I'm wincing here, I'm grimacing, but I'll take Omaha in the fourth position. But, okay. All right. So, but that's it's a crapshoot. I mean. And it, who knows? Now, now we see Duluth finally wake up, and they put five goals in a game average the the rest of the year, and they're you know third in the conference, and and maybe it is. It's just Duluth and Dakota are the two teams that we kind of expected. Maybe they're the ones that emerge. Wouldn't shock me. But between them and between Duluth and Dakota, um, Duluth definitely seems like the team in more danger, uh, in, in more trouble here, and. Um, yeah. So, but maybe we got the second half of the season to to find out again how wrong we are. Out. How wrong? Yeah, exactly. Right. They're gonna. We're all gonna be eating crow when Colorado College is lifting the Penrose, right? Right. Um. So I didn't notice that Western Michigan also is, you know, on a little bit of a of a snide right now. Um, with uh, three losses and in over a shootout loss to North Dakota as well uh, in their last four. So they've um, only one point in their last four games. Um, it's not good. Even going back. You, that's, that's not great, Bob. Not great. So, exactly. They're they're Like we talked earlier, they're in the great lakes invitation. They got Michigan tech. So I kind of wish St. Cloud had like some type of, tournament like that or like i miss st cloud being involved in tournaments um you know we we had what the everblades we used to be involved in that i think a few years ago and i don't know i like i like i like tournaments i like trophies i think they're just kind of a fun little thing 
know, I think if we could do the North Star College Cup right, I think it could make a lot of sense, but it definitely didn't the way they did it. So. Well, they, they got it. Think about, I mean, I know nothing about, like, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I'm saying the, uh, they got invited to the GLI, but then were uninvited by the GLI. That was like 10 years ago. It was the year that they decided that it was the year that uh, the Red Wings got the Winter Classic at Michigan Stadium. So because, or was it, um, maybe they're playing outdoor game at Comerica. Maybe it wasn't the Winter Classic, but the GLI decided to piggyback on whatever the, I thought it was the Winter Classic, but they decided to play the GLI outside. And that, I know that was at Comerica Park, the the Tigers um, Park. And because of that, they wanted an all Michigan GLI, and so, so we got uninvited. We so got they, booted they told from that. St. Cloud. Ah, thanks, but no thanks. That was like I think 2012. Right. I think was the year that that was supposed to happen. But mm. they they play. They ended up playing RPI that weekend. It was like a last minute scramble right before the season. Uh, they had to put someone on the schedule for a one off. So they never went back to RPI. It was just a one-time scheduling trip, but RPI was the... So I think that was the year that the... Yeah, that was 12-13. So that would have been the year that St. Cloud made the their first Frozen Four. Anyway. So who who replaced us then? I think it was Western, Western Michigan. Western Michigan? Because um, that was in the days of Michigan Tech, and Michigan were always in it. And then they'd have two... They, they used mm-hmm. to ha- always have one out-of-state team. I think like North Dakota won the GLI once. They would have like a boss. The Boston teams would do it uh, every now and then. So you used to have three Michigan teams and then one out of Michigan team would, would, would be the fourth team. And I think because they won all Michigan teams, I think Michigan or Western Michigan was the team to replace St. Cloud that year. And I think they won that GLI actually, uh, Western Michigan, the outdoor one. So anyway, another uh tangent another tangent you said that was okay the, well 12 13 was it 13 14 then it might have been i thought it was Season? i thought it was yeah. year that our america park yep yeah, maybe I was off on the years then. I thought it was the year that RPI played. Saint well, Cloud. you said I you you said twenty thirteen, but then yeah, so it was the twenty thirteen twenty fourteen season. Okay, so yeah, I must have been so off the game, on the year. Yeah, so I mean, you were off, but you weren't off because you said twenty thirteen, but you said the twenty thirteen season where Saint Cloud went to the Frozen Four. Which I thought it was the year they played they RPI, but maybe I'm maybe that maybe that detail is off. I I might be wrong. Uh, Newsflash. Yeah. Well, anyway, Western Michigan did end up winning. Yes, they beat Michigan three to two in overtime, and then in overtime against Michigan Tech, one nothing. I don't know. Non-conference. All this non-conference stuff is just so interesting to me because I think like North Dakota released like some of their non-conference over the next couple of years, even. And Duluth, I know, you know, some of my Twitter friends on Duluth, they are always upset because they're like. I can never plan road trips or whatnot because you never know who is who's their non-conference opponents until, like, the, I think they even release their schedule incredibly late as well. So yeah, Schlossman, Schlossman's on top of that. Uh, he, he's he's very plugged in to the non-conference slate for North Dakota. 
I've been doing some digging with that, actually. Um, being the traveling fan, I've, I'm always interested in travel opportunities and whatnot. And I, so I've been, uh, I've been asking around, and I've, I've, got, I've got a nugget for you. I've, I, I've got a scoop. When talking about yes. talking about non-conference, <laughs> non-conference <laughs> schedules, podcast. we have an exclusive this podcast. I had to put Excuse. I I had to play a, a journalist. <laughs> uh, I had to put my journalist hat on and, and check out some sources and 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 hit the pavement a little bit here. I, I'm re- I'm really I'm, re- I'm I think, really excited. I actually think you go. might enjoy this. I, I I have a hunch you might you might go ooh about this one. So. The schedule for next year has not been finalized yet. It's not official. But I am hearing that the Michigan Wolverines are in St. Cloud State's non-conference schedule. <laughs> what? I, I'm, no. I'm hearing the next two years. A, are you serious? A, like you're yes. putting this on. I have good. Really? I, I have some good plugged in sources. This is not wow. just, I'm not hearing this from a bar fly. Um, <laughs> again, not finalized. And from what I'm hearing, it's Michigan coming to St. Cloud next year. And then St. Cloud returning the trip to Ann Arbor the following year. Again, not finalized. I am not sure. Yeah. I am not sure who the Michigan coach would have been that, initially put this you know had this idea with larson if it was pearson uh who's obviously not there anymore or if it's this uh narado who's their interim coach i would say there's there is a a non-zero chance that this this doesn't go off because of the untenuous or because of the unsure situation with michigan's just, just in case uh guy godowski leaves and wants to schedule an atlantic hockey yeah, team instead. yeah if godowski <laughs> takes the job he's gonna look at that and say uh-uh uh we we don't go to st cloud we want bentley we um, want bentley but barring that so. uh i i do think that there's wow there, that there's action scoop. being the, the the wheels are in motion and so Oh. Hold me to it. If this turns out to be BS, right. come back and well, will. never, never I'll listen to me up. ever again on anything. But <laughs> this one, well, this one, don't say that. Don't say that part. This one's coming we'll, for we'll some. Just bring it up every episode. I got, got some good, uh, some good authority on this one. So, wow, uh, that'd be a good get. Um, if if it if That's it like does a, happen, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to call that the Mark Hardigan revenge yes. series after yes after his. And for uh, them to come, yeah, for them to come to St. Cloud, I mean, yeah, that um, that really that really hits our you know St. Cloud Upper Midwest insecurity. Nobody likes us. <laughs> that really warms those cockles of the heart. Um, obviously, because <laughs> Red Berenson couldn't find St. Cloud on a map uh, if if you gave them the state of Minnesota. Um, have never played Michigan in the regular season. I believe no, just uh, yeah, just zero and two. Um, I, I did here just quickly look this up. So the first game, uh, it was the o o o one season. Um, that was in Grand Rapids, where we lost. Uh, where we lost four to three. 
which was the year that St. Cloud was the one seed of that regional. Just the three-team regionals yep. back then. So Michigan, I don't know yep, who the they played. Team. But um, they would have played the day before, and then St. Cloud would have gotten a bye to the regional finals. So then they played Michigan to go to the Frozen Four and lost. And then the following year, they were in Ann Arbor for that regional, I believe. Yeah, they played at Yost. Yeah. yeah. So never have played Michigan outside the state of Michigan. Uh, yeah. And never played them in the regular season. Uh, this will be uh, a, a historic series. Uh, What's the furthest west of the Mississippi that... I guess Mariucci is west of the Mississippi, isn't it? So, okay, never mind. <laughs> Technically, yes. It's nestling it, though. Although I think you could say the same thing about St. I mean, Cloud. Well, yeah, so, St. Cloud is nestling it, too. But. I think they made, it, they made it out to Arizona State one of those years. with that One of Berenson's last years. And I think they played at the Coyotes Arena. Like, there was no way he was playing at that old... Oceanside Arena in Tempe, but um, I remember that, but yeah, Michigan's better, I mean most teams are better quote-unquote with scheduling non-conference, like reciprocating deals than Penn State, I was going to say but that's a very low bar to clear but um, but Michigan's been been around a little bit more like they went up to the UP I, you know, Pearson was a tech guy, so I think they they went up to the UP during his tenure. So they've they've been to some smaller some smaller cities, and uh, and so it's not going to be completely out of the blue. Well, when, like if, if they would have gotten Penn State, that would have been a <laughs> oh my god! Like Gadelski must have died or something. Like something cataclysmic would have happened for that to have occurred. Well, I remember also there were stories about uh, Wolverines players on that team, like harassing the cheerleaders, and like there was a lot of things. There's there's a lot of dirt if you ask around to the uh, to the early aught fans of uh, of uh, Saint Cloud State Husky hockey. They got a lot of stories about what happened in in those two games. So, um, but yeah, so in the uh, first year, the 2000-2001, yeah, Michigan played the day before. They they won 4-3 to three against Mercyhurst. I had that hunch. So, I, I thought it was them, but... And, and then, it was just 4-3 yeah, so. over them? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then 4-2, to two, and then that's... Um, if you, uh, you know, if Every once in a while, when I want to feel pain, I'll go on YouTube and there's the video of Hardigan missing on the open right. net. And, you know, you could argue that cost him the Hobie <laughs> that year. I mean, it was um, coming down on, on, on the Michigan goal. It just had a dead to rights, too. So that's frustrating. And I would, I would, that's, um, you know, as much as we also rag on Michigan, like that's uh, that'd be pretty a big get if that's uh, able to able to come to fruition. So, if indeed, that's uh, that's quite the scoop that you've got. Yeah, look at us that's... breaking breaking. I mean, not officially breaking news because it's not confirmed. It's, obviously, it's some good speculation um, and it's some good a, a, a good chance of it happening. Um, 
if you were if you were having your percentage meter, <laughs> like are we at like sixty, seventy percent? I would 80%? say I would say higher than that. Um, oh wow, not a hundred percent though. Interesting. And, and yeah, maybe not. Maybe ninety percent. It's just a hunch at that point. I and ninety uh, percent is a hunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't have confirmation. Yeah. I, I. I. I fished for it. Couldn't get it, you but. I, but it. I got some decent hints. So. No, nope, I like it. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, uh, if uh, that comes to fruition, uh, uh, credit us. So. Yes. Or credit Andrew, and don't credit me. I didn't do. I didn't do anything about this. But interesting. So, um. Anything else you kind of wanted to touch on before we uh, get to questions? I think we can probably move on. I mean, we um, not a, not a ton of action over the weekend. Just a handful of games. You mentioned watching that um, or catching a little bit at least of that Lindenwood Denver game. At least the Saturday game, which uh, got a little authority was, there for for Denver. Closer than it needed to be. That's for um, sure. Any comment on that? I, I missed all the, the the game I saw the most of this weekend was uh, Long Island and Northeastern, which surprisingly went into overtime. Northeastern had a three nothing lead and coughed it up, and but then won in overtime. But and then I guess of note, at least St. Cloud uh, adjacent relevance to the Bemidji State sweep. Overtime win plus regulation win of uh, Mankato yeah. in Mankato. Mankato. Uh, now, St. Cloud playing both of those teams this year, I guess it, I don't know if it really mattered who won because you played both of them. I, I think you need, wouldn't it be better if Mankato, because you swept them, if they play better, it makes those wins. But then again, if if Bemidji wins, then the loss doesn't hurt as much. St. Cloud's loss, yeah, I think hurt I think much. losses hurt more than wins help, right? So that's that's I, probably I think, true. So so I think this in the long run kind of helped us uh, keeping us pumped up a little bit. So yeah, and it, I, who in the CCHA wants to win that league? I mean, you, you got Bemidji, Mankato, who both have been kind of frustrating teams you know had a good have a good weekend one weekend you know Mankato gets swept by a Ferris F and State which is more surprising than Bemidji sweeping them but then going out to Bowling Green who who wasn't first at that time Mankato sweeps them somewhat handily and then returns home and lays an egg against Bemidji you got Michigan Tech. You know they lost a game at Lake State, who is terrible this year. They're like second or third worst in pairwise. Just an awful team. So that's a terrible loss for them. And yeah, you got Bowling Green, who I said you know gets swept by Minnesota State, and they've had some decent wins, but some bad losses. Who is going to emerge from this uh, crap pile that is the CCHA this year? Looking at Bemidji State, it's really interesting. They have gone to overtime eight times this season already. That's one less than nine. <laughs> That's one less than... I don't think we could do that joke twice in a well, podcast. Just, maybe we'll just have to wait a weekend until they get to nine. 
because at this shit. at this yeah. pace, it's basically every weekend they're going to OT. Yeah, that's. And it, what did you say? Like Michigan, I, I want to say there was a Michigan Tech season too. like that for the Huskies. Yeah, Michigan Tech, as you had mentioned, a bunch of overtime losses this year. I guess I guess that's like, yeah, looking at the just the CCHA standings. Um, everyone's got a handful of overtime wins and overtime losses. Yeah, that might be a hint that it's just these teams aren't good enough to win in sixty minutes, uh, and. You know, you gotta slug it out in in a three on three, in order to get a to get a victor, <laughs> to um, get a goal. Yeah. Um, you know, Northern Michigan. I remember being surprised that they were ranked number two in their preseason poll. They were down at six, just four points ahead of St. Thomas, who's not. Yeah, I think I, I think I had them at second with a caveat of I can see them being first. I had them a lot higher. Well, they had a couple of this like Vanderbeck that they have. They had a couple of guys that were, had real good years last year that were returning and that Vanderbeck is having a good year for him, but yeah, they have not been all that impressive. One of the other team, one of the two teams other than Western Michigan to lose to Alaska Anchorage this year, which is uh, not good, Bob. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've been keeping sticking to my guns as far as just yeah, Mankato's gonna win this conference, right? But I mean, Bemidji's—they're tied with Tech at twenty with twenty-five points, but Bemidji has two games in hand, so you got to give yeah. Bemidji, I guess, the the uh, benefit that or the, the the slight edge this at this point of the season, but. Just don't see that being a tournament team. And anything can happen in the playoffs, too, so maybe it doesn't necessarily matter who wins the uh, conference, although that team will have home ice for the uh, entirety of their conference tournament. So it, it is a big yeah. a big thing to win it. Um, but, uh, yeah, you got any... I'll still go Mankato. Um, I, I feel like they have they have the talent. I just don't know what... What exactly their issue is? Who do you got coming out of that league? You gonna go with Bemidji? Let's go Bowling Green. <laughs> All right. Okay, you're let's do it. You're let's bowling. Go, yeah, you are. A, you are a bowling fan too. So you got a, you got a poster of Pete Weber in your bedroom, right? I did. Yeah. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> you said, love that one. Yeah. PDW. For a while, I used to in college. I used to watch bowling instead of. Instead of NFL football, I think I so, might prefer that it's, too. It's, it's I, I two sixty seven is my high game. Wow, so. I I don't know. I'm sure I, I I've never come close to that. I don't probably have even broken two hundred, but it's fun. It's a it's a fun fun but game. Sadly, never I didn't flirt with the three hundred though because I think uh, it started with a nine spare and then it was strikes mm. all the way up to the tenth frame. How many in a row, though? I think it was two up until oh, really? the 10th frame. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was feeling it. What can I say? I, I'll say. I miss I miss bowling so much. And I actually thought bowling would like spike up in popularity because, I mean, 
You can just sit around on your phone until it's time for you to get up there and roll the ball. And then you're back there sitting on I thought I thought the young kids would really like it, but uh, it, it hasn't. Uh, it, it's really suffered in popularity. Well, maybe so maybe they need they need more people like Pete Weber out there. That's right. Just uh, showmanship. That's and right. So. Um, questions. We have questions. Uh, let's get it going with a friend of the show, Dan Jacobson. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas cookie? Uh, He said his favorites are butterscotch brownie pinwheels. And you'd say I'm familiar uh, with that. Yeah, I am not familiar with it at all. They look pretty good, but I mean, if they're brownie, are they more brownie than cookie? Is yeah, that cheating? I think he's cheating. Does it? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I guess I could look at the recipe and actually see if it's more brown. I, I'm a sucker for brownies. I love brownies so much. Brownies are good. So, anyway, yeah, I, I, Christmas cookie. What do you got? I don't I don't know if they... I mean, my, my mom and her like sisters would always have like a cookie bake, Christmas cookie bake. And various different kinds. I don't know if these qualify as Christmas cookies, but for me they are because like we eat them during Christmas. But I don't know what you call them, but it's like the ones... I think they're like a peanut butter cookie, and then they have like a Hershey's Kiss in the middle of them. Are you familiar with this kind of cookie? Mm-hmm. Those are, yep, those uh, are chocolate star... What is it? Chocolate star cookie. Uh, chocolate star cookies. Okay. Uh, the, those... Peanut butter chocolate star cookies. They're called Star of Bethlehem cookies. They're, it depends where you go with it. But yes, those are my favorites too. I did not so. know the name, so thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. What I guess maybe he's trying to goad us into talking about gingerbread. What's your take on gingerbread? No, <laughs> no, no gin. And like, apparently, like ginger is good for like when you're pregnant and whatnot. Like it, it balances something, and I, I don't know. So like, there was always ginger in our house when Teresa was pregnant and couldn't stand it. Like they had like ginger gummies or whatnot that she would. And it's like, no, they are. Oh no. Ginger, gingerbread, gingerbread, man. <laughs> Somebody catch that guy. Cause he, he deserves to get caught. Not building a, not a, a, not, a fan. not building a gingerbread house with your kids. Nope. No. I guess I'm not anti-gingerbread, but um, it's probably not the it's probably not the first Christmas cookie that I'm gonna have. I'll put it that way. But um, good timely question. Uh, yeah, to, to be expected from Dan Jacobson. Uh, Johnny Mac had uh, four questions. Jeez. One of them was, "Do you think the chance standings would change much in the second half?" We already addressed that, so. Um. Uh, number one, who do you think has grown or will grow the most this season? Um, I think actually last podcast you wanted to talk a little bit about Adam Ingram, uh, so I don't know if you've had a hot take with him or, um, maybe this is a good time to talk about him. Um, he's he's one that I have found, like I I see glimpses of. Um, I think he is. I think it's one of those things where once it clicks for him, it's going to click. And I think it's, everything's going to be inc- 
incredibly um he's going to be an incredibly important player for us yeah. is kind of how I see it. What's you, what's your thought? Yeah. He, he, uh, of the second half of that question, the, who do you expect to grow in the second half of the season? That'd be my answer for that. Uh, half of it mm-hmm. would be Ingram. And I want to get back to him I'm trying to think of the first part of the question. Who has grown the most so far? Dude, have you checked out Mason Reiner's? He's grown like four inches since the beginning of the year. No, just, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would say Riseboro. <laughs> He's like six five, isn't he? He is rising. Um Rosboro. Ro- oh, get, get it. Roseboro. I got um, oh, he's he's only six three. I I would say looks like a monster so out there, I, I've liked that like Ben Storm <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's well few people are. But I took a picture of me standing next to Ben Storm, like a little candid shot, and like I'm six one, so like, you know, I on the taller side. I I just I just look like a peewee next yeah. to him. <laughs> There's not a lot of people who make me feel that way. Yeah, big boy. Um, but yeah, as far as guys that have grown so far this year or have taken a step forward, you know, we've mentioned Pierre. Yeah, now it's got me so screwed up now. Committed to Pure. <laughs> now we're back to Pert. Just thinking rush. Like I just got to think I say, rush. Um, no, I, I just say, nope, nope. USA Hockey, you're wrong. I'll just say that. I'll, I'll just, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with Peart. Maybe now like he's... That sounds anyway. Now we zag even more. Peart. Peart. Um, any way you say it, uh, Jack... I think has definitely um, stepped Jackie up. Jackie P. Stepped up from last year. Um, and maybe that World Juniors in the summer sort of helped him with that development. But I think he has really cleaned up the the risky, the riskiness that he, that he has uh, or the potential that he was showing last year for that. Mm-hmm. Cleaner with the puck, and I think he's now become more assertive uh, controlling the puck and being an offensive force without sacrificing defense. I think he's, he's really uh, stepped up becoming sort of that you know, elite defenseman that we thought he might, that we thought we might be getting when he, when he arrived as a high second round draft pick. Um, so I'm really impressed with his development this year. I also throw in uh, Kupka, you know, a guy that last year, we're kind of scratching our heads at, at one point saying, what exactly is his role here on this team? I, I think he's found that role as this sort of finisher type on that Crookshank Miller line. He's not a guy that's going to necessarily wow you with playmaking skill, but if he can park in front of the net, get some rebound yeah. goals. He's got really good net from presence. And grinding stuff out or you know, in the corners and behind the net cycling plays and whatnot. I think he has stepped up as, you know, and when he was hurt for, for those couple of weeks, I think his absence was missed um, during those, during that time. So yeah, he's, he's stepped up in, in a, in a nice mm-hmm. way. Uh, as far as Ingram goes and, and as it, alongside Pert um, talking about him last year, my whole refrain here was, well, these guys are 18, 
they're freshmen. I kind of got to give them a little bit of leeway here because they're still getting acclimated to this new level of hockey. Blah, 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 blah. Which I think is definitely true. But then, you know, I look at the uh, national scoring leaders in, in the country. Four of the top five are freshmen. And we got one sophomore in there. Uh, Graf from Quinnipiac. Um, this, uh, and, you know, and freshmen, high-end freshmen at least, that has not been a, a rarity in college hockey over the last decade or so. Um, not to say that Ingram is on the same level as Fantilli, for instance, who is not, he's, he's so, Fantilli is so young, he's not even draft eligible yet, or he wasn't over this past summer. He will be next year and probably be number two overall pick at, at this rate, if not number one. It's likely between him and this Bedard, who will also be on the Canadian junior team, so he can potentially watch the top two draft picks uh, playing for Canada in these juniors. I, I just don't, I don't bring that up to throw Ingram under the bus, but I'm just throwing it out there to say that it's definitely possible for freshmen to carry your team. Um, and it's definitely possible for freshmen to have a, a big impact on a team. I think uh, Ingram, he's really shown some flashes of, of the skill here. And like Pert, definitely think his second year, which I do think we're going to have a second year of Ingram, um, I do think yep. that will be a, a, a noticeably better from the start campaign for Ingram. But I do think it's possible here in the second half. He's got a half a season under his belt now. Um, you know, he's been getting some playing, uh, some power play time with this team. I think part of his issue is he's he's been saddled with a unstable situation when it comes to line mates, which I think forces him to have to create some chemistry with a lot of different uh, line partners, which is a, I mean, that's a tough task for anybody, much less you add the, the extra factor of his youth and inexperience. That's a tough assignment. And when he was briefly put up onto that, um, that line with Mietnin, um, some clicking in that Bemidji state, home game where that was the game, I believe that um, Ingram had that highlight real goal of his. So mm-hmm. we've definitely seen the high end of his talent. Um, and we've seen him take some penalties here, more, more penalties than I would have, would have liked. And it's yeah. the penalties that aren't necessarily the good penalty category, like the kind of unnecessary plays. And so if we can sort of tamp down on those, be a little bit more disciplined, in that aspect of the game. And then also maybe just gaining a little bit, a little bit of confidence. Um, I think he's got a nice shot. And so I think he's kind of going to be an X factor here. If, if he can develop into, and let's say two, 10 points in the first half of the season in 18 games, that's, that's not terrible. Um, he's, yeah. he's able to produce. I, I, I'm looking at the two goals though. Like if he can maybe get into the double digits of goals, this year, you know, past 10, 11, 12 goals, somewhere in that range, have a, you know, eight to 10 goal second half. That might mean this team goes far uh, this year. And so I don't know what, you, what you're thinking here. Uh, I want you to step in here um, with, wh- wh- how are you kind of viewing his first half and 
are you with me as far as having optimism that his second half will will uh, will be even better than this first half? What what are you thinking? Well, I do. I mean, I I do agree with you on a lot of your points. Um, one thing I just kind of want to add into is, yeah, he's had one, two, three, four, five. Six points here in the last seven games. Um, you know, going back to the Colorado College game and then two against North Dakota and, and then two against Miami, obviously not scoring against the last Miami. But, um, you know, that's about the time, if I am looking correctly, that Colorado College... Um, Okay, Western Michigan. Let's see, Denver. So Denver, he played center. So they switched him yeah. over to wing in the Western Michigan series, and I think that has really freed him up a little bit. And I think maybe center might have been a little bit too much for him. And again, your line mates when you were you're the third center. I mean, he has been paired with Mietnam a couple of times, uh, but I mean. It's been Jack Rogers, uh, Molinar and Ashan a couple of times, uh, Spalacy and Ashan. I mean, you're not going to create a lot of chances yeah. with some of those players. Yeah. I mean, let's just face it. So, um, Solquist, I think. Um, also, I think there was a couple of games where when he was in as a wing, Solquist was his center. So, you know, we've talked about that. Eh, maybe not. Uh, oh, I, first game against Miami, actually, when he had two points that Solquist was his line mate. But um, I think that move to wing, I think, was a good choice. Now, I remember when he came on, I said, we're going to need him at center because we have no center depth. And I still kind of believe that. Now, did I think Crookshank would be as powerful as he's been? No, not at all. But it's something to to be said that I think that's still kind of a little bit of an Achilles heel when it comes to this team is that center depth. Um, so it's something to kind of keep a, keep a watch on, but I think Ingram is really going to flourish in that, um, in that wing role. I think that's, um, I think he's a little bit more comfortable there. He's also getting a lot of power play time. Um, and as much as I really don't like his behind the back passes that he likes to do, um, he is, it's working and he's creating chances. So I guess that's, that's a plus. Um, anything more about Ingram before I want to get to the first part of the question? Cause I think there's somebody fairly big that we haven't been talking about. Sure. Quick fact check first. I was going, I was old. that, that national scoring leaderboard. I was doing that off the top of my head. Massimo Rizzo actually moved into the top five in scoring this weekend. So it's ah. four of the top six are freshmen and two are sophomores, Rizzo being a sophomore as well. So, so it even he, he really padded up yeah, with Lindenwood, did. huh? Which bolsters my point. It's all underclassmen, top six scores. McAllister sure. for Western Michigan's got a six point lead right now on everybody else. Thirty three points already. Uh Snugroot at twenty seven. Um Certainly didn't see that coming out of McAllister. Mm. And that Colin Graff for Quinnipiac Union transfer. Um, big ripple after uh, Bennett got fired there from Union. Graf leaves. Now he's fourth in the conference, or tied for third 
in scoring, and Dylan Anhorn, the leading scorer of defensemen uh, in the country, also a union guy last year. Yeah, that's a wonder if if uh, if that if Bennett wasn't uh, forced out there, would Union be decent this year? It's it's interesting to speculate that. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, go on to your. I, I'm interested to hear now what your who your uh, player the uh, the that player who has, has grown the most has grown the most. Kupka was my second choice. Um, you know, five goals in 12 games. He had five goals all of last year, which was his highest, um, that he's had in a year. So he's already met that total, um, 18 points last year. So that definitely was, uh, but I got to look at Jackson Caster and maybe it's a cop out for, for picking a goalie. But I mean, you tell me at that Quinnipiac game and that series against Minnesota Duluth, that caster would be as playing as well as he has been um yeah it's you know his save percentage has dipped a little bit it's now only a a a 919 so a 920 pretty much but uh 212 goals against average it's he's been getting the job done yeah um and so i think he's kind of the bit been the guy who's grown the most Um, that's a good call defensively yeah defensively um trey ball you know i've been you know, a fan of him, you know, last year as well. But I think even this year, he's been even more so reliable. And even, I mean, I don't want to say he's shown offensively, but I've, you know, I've, I've seen him make some plays down low in the offensive zone a couple of times. So he's been trusting um, some of that, um, some of his instincts as well. So I think, I think that's also a good, maybe a little bit under the radar because he's not going to get you a lot of points, but I think he's definitely one that I, I, I definitely point at. So, um, which, uh, beloved wave of babies players might grab a fifth year. Um, so any of these, uh, seniors here, um, that were on the, uh, team four years ago ish years ago, COVID kind of screwed me up when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, any of those, uh, seniors here you think might grab an extra one i think kupka would be one of those um i can't see a lot of opportunities past college for him um you know echl maybe maybe out in europe but um i think he's kind of a prime example of somebody who could stay in a fifth year yeah that's a good call like a yeah just looking at chn of the seniors i just got to make sure that that these guys aren't fifth-year seniors. I think what they're doing is they're calling these grad students if you're a fifth-year guy, or yeah, GR. So. so, like, Okabe, ha- Okabe would be good has one. the ability to co- come back next year. Same with Cranola. Um, Cranola, looking at that, that scoring leaderboard, is up there. He's like 15th or so in the country. I lost my... Uh, no, tied for ninth with 23 points. So, top 10 nationwide score right now. Um, so, I I don't know. I don't know if you expect those guys mm-hmm. to come back. Um, be really great if they did. Uh, we saw, like, uh, Walker bolted, Walker. bolted last year. Yeah. Now, he was not drafted, was he? I know he signed up with, uh, t- with Toronto. 
that can be a blessing and a curse but for Toronto Marlies. Like, yeah. like he signed an AHL right. deal, right? So that could be a blessing or a curse for a team. Like, if you guys have, if, if they have a draft, if a guy is already drafted on the team, you know, they have that exclusive right, and it almost seems natural that they would leave. But then, if they're a free agent, in a sense, anybody can sign them. So it's like maybe it's more yeah. likely that a guy would bolt. If they didn't have, like, if, if the team that drafted them didn't want to sign him, then they probably would come back. But if they were undrafted, 30 teams, and then by extension, 30 AHL teams could sign these guys, and and that that might uh, work against you, too. It's So it's hard. I mean, Pranel is putting up a better year than Walker did last year, um, so it's maybe natural to think that he would be gone after this year. Um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe he wants another year playing with, um, with Okabe and Miet and who knows? I, it's hard to gauge that right now. Kapka is like a guy where I can definitely see him coming back. Like he fits sort of that Miller mold where it's like, he didn't think that he was going to, necessarily get a pro off a ton of pro offers and it made sense for him to come back i could say that like more confidently with kupka than i would any of those international uh exchange line guys um how how about you what what are you what are you thinking any of the other any other players that we haven't mentioned here any of the other seniors i guess we can just we got anhorn trey ball again this is off of chn so might be inaccurate, but uh, Caster is listed here. Uh, yeah, Okabe, we said. So I think that's it. You know, the way Anhorn's playing, maybe we'll be lucky to get a, another year out of him. Um, who knows? But uh, Trayball, I could see him definitely coming back. Um, but it's all sort of you know, guessing at this point. But um, but yeah, that's a, it's an it's a interesting question to consider because this is a, you know still in that covid year we got you know that was 2021 so that year is free so, every, so we still got a couple more years where guys were fre- like that was Mietnin's freshman year so use him as sort of the gauge of all those guys have the potential of playing 5 years it's going to span into 2025 you know it's going to that covid year will still have an effect many years later. So yeah. Interesting to see how it develops. Yep. And you know, with Cronulla, who knows if he wants to keep playing with, you know, with VT me right. You know, both finish. And also, you know, if it's also going to be the case that Werner, right. who is the brother. The brother of VT, um, it comes in maybe another finish, you know, maybe we could have an all fin line, you know, who knows? So it's, you know, that might play into it and he'd want to, uh, you know, go, go a couple of years. Obviously there's a lot more factors that go into it and we're, you know, who knows um, when it comes to that, but that's uh part of the speculation. Right. So um, I could see, I could see all of them staying. I could see some of them going. Um, it's, you know, I just kind of look at it as a surface level of what type of hockey opportunities can you kind of see going forward um, for some of these players. And I don't, I don't know how many of them I 
foresee really in the NHL. Um, I also didn't really know if Nick Dowd would be a uh, everyday player, right. and turns out uh, today he scored two goals in eleven seconds by himself. Wow. So <laughs> it's that's a but, that's a um, decent shift. Yeah, that's that's an alright shift, right? So take that, Ovechkin. You don't even do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's only got what seven hundred and fifty goals left to to catch uh, Ovechkin, and and counting. I think he's got. I think he's got fifty goals in the NHL by this point. Dowd. No, maybe thirty. So. He's been in the league like five six years now, pretty regularly. And he's more of a more of a grinder type, but um, I think an important uh, important player. I think that oh, look at that fifty two really. And that's not counting the uh, the two goals in eleven seconds. That I don't know. So at least fifty-two, 52. or fifty-four. That's right. We're in the mid mid fifties by this point. Well, good for Nick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just just a boy from Alabama, Huntsville. Just boy from Huntsville in a dream. That's right. Um, um, switching over to women's hockey. Um, do you think uh, do you think the women's team could finish their push uh, for the top half of the league? Uh, that's that's an interesting question. Now they were humbled a little bit uh, by just a little Minnesota bit. this this uh, last weekend with a a, a a loss of no, it wasn't this last week. It was, it was, it was the weekend before, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was it was kind of a a blast from the past. Unfortunately, yeah, I don't believe they scored a goal on the weekend. Nine nothing, five nothing, I believe were the scores. Um, uh, nine nine nothing, six nothing, six nothing. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's it. Certainly took a, a a shine off of what has been still a a very good first year for Adolski. Top half of the league though, so they're they're fifth place right now. Nineteen points. Fourth place Duluth is just at 21 points, but they've got two games in hand. Plus, uh, playing Duluth earlier this year, Huskies were handled pretty well by Duluth. Um, mm-hmm. Checking. Yeah, 2-0 loss, 5-1 loss. Um, so not as lopsided as those Gopher scores. But And then you know, above them, you got real the real cream of the crop, Ohio State, Minnesota, Wisconsin. You're not catching, not catching them, and based. I mean, you still have another series with Duluth, um, but based on the fact that Duluth is already ahead of you with some games in hand, I do think it's going to be tough to uh, to hop them. Um, and you know, as it stands right now, you'd you'd face them in the playoffs, and and so it'll be a tough task. This league is it's a grinder. Um, so I mean. Wish for the best, obviously, but um, I wouldn't say it's looking all that hot right now. I don't think for, so for a top half uh, of the of the league. But you know, you're you're three points ahead of Minnesota State. Why don't we at least you got you got them? I believe two series in the second half here. At least just yeah, lock down fifth place. Which is a mm-hmm. which is a which is something to say with this program. I mean, I, 
I don't yeah. want to make the the goal yeah. too low, set the bar too low here, but considering the history of women's hockey at St. Cloud, fifth place and playing some competitive games against the, uh, the, the for the first crop, year in the first year, too. yeah, is certainly nothing to sneeze at. So um, maybe set that as as the goal, and you know you do have that series against Duluth in the second half going up there, and yeah, maybe it steal a weekend there and and that is a possibility but I, I would say realistically we're looking at fifth as being the uh as the high water mark and but you know we shall see and just project this into the future um I, if, if they can just build on this and once he gets his recruits in there and continues to establish his system good things uh, on the horizon i think for for the women's team i think so yeah, and that's um, I think you hit the nail on the head when it talks about you know, when you talk about that uh, Minnesota State series. Um, there are you know two of them here. You got thirteenth, um, fourteenth of January, and then they close out the season here. Um, you lock down fifth place. I mean, not only is that huge for the program, but that gets you a series probably against Minnesota Duluth. You, you know, you don't have to travel to Wisconsin. You don't have to travel to Ohio State. You don't have to travel to Ritter. So it's, you know, maybe Minnesota Duluth, that's somebody you can steal a game from. Um, you know, that 2 nothing game, um, it was just kind of a, a tough stretch there for, you know, about a five-minute stretch in the first period um, where they popped in those two goals um, where Duluth really kind of, took it to the Huskies there in the first period, but ever since then it was, it was, it was, it was, it was tight. So it's, you know, they could sneak up and maybe, you know, take a series win there at, at the end of the season. But I think it's, it's key to be ahead of Minnesota state. And I think if we're ahead of Minnesota state and cement ourselves in that uh, five spot in the, in, in the, in the season, I think that's a, a huge win for the program. And I think the sky's the limit after that. Yeah, and looking at the other, the two bottom feeders, St. Thomas and, and Bemidji State, been able to handle them this year, 6-0 and combined against those yep. those teams. And Minnesota State's another one of those teams that are behind St. Cloud. So you, you take care of business against them. And it's not like playing Duluth in the playoffs is some sort of, ooh, all right, great. You know, Duluth was the runner-up last year. Uh, yeah, The national runner-up, so... Uh, not like you're getting a cupcake by any means, but um, as you said, preferable to play them rather than Scotty or or the Gophers or defending champion Ohio State. So, um, so yeah, let's just um, scrub that Gopher weekend out, and uh, they play out east to start the year. I got games against New Hampshire and Merrimack to uh, start the second half. I think that's in some sort of. Um, tournament situation oh it's down in Ritter I thought it was out east but playing eastern teams at least but according to CHN it's a tournament at Ritter so um have a chance to start second half off uh and um yeah like I said hopefully um hopefully the best is not yet to come with this team and uh, um Miramac New Hampshire those are teams near the bottom of hockey east right now um uh sitting there at uh you know, just uh, you know, New Hampshire right now is six and fourteen on the season. 
uh, and then Miramax a little bit worse at six or six thirteen and one. So I mean they they've only got six wins aside here uh, for each. So, but yeah, so that's uh, I, I think that would be a good um, a good thing to watch. We'll check in with them uh, periodically. Like I said, we really want to get um, more into yep the women's side and the women's hockey. So, um. And then, uh, last but not least, why isn't Bucci's rankings the one used to make the NCAA tournament field? Why don't we just all hail Bucci Gross? I uh, didn't think that there yeah. there would be a a worse poll than the Uscho poll, <laughs> but yet uh, I am uh, proven wrong because of our friend the the Booch. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah. I guess, who who is who is leading Bucci's poll right now? Um, let me check. I want to say it's Minnesota. Where's Saint Cloud in that? If you can pull it up real quick, I'm. Yeah, let me. Now I'm indulging the the question here, but I'm I'm just curious. Saint Cloud's four. Hey, you know I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Minnesota, Quinnipiac, Denver, and Saint Cloud. Oh, so he's just copying the Yusho poll. (laughs) (laughs) I think what it wasn't uh, Denver. Didn't they drop in the Yusho poll? I don't think they. I, I checked it today. They didn't Did, have one. Maybe they thought that the weekend that was they? wasn't enough to merit redoing the poll again, which disappoints me. It's you usually don't need a reason to put out a worthless poll. Um, you could have done that. Um, <laughs> could have always just put out worthless. Yeah, yeah. Because okay, we so it would have been great too. Because we could have maybe have seen like a Lindenwood single vote for that Denver effort. Okay. Um, they they literally do not. We, there's no college hockey games until the GLI, which kicks off next Tuesday. I really want an Ustro poll next Monday, literally based <laughs> on no games. You can do it, and, and we're missing out too because we, if we had one this weekend, this week, and then we have one next week, it wouldn't be the exact same. Guarantee is someone would change their vote based on no games oh, yeah. played. We're missing mm-hmm. out. So maybe we need to, re- maybe let's hope that Bucci stays up. So let me know if Bucci Gras does his dumb little top 10 next week. And if it's any different and okay, God, I hope it is. <laughs> I'll let you know. Please do. So, um, well, that, that about, that about does it on, on and off week where we'll go for again, uh, you know, uh, an hour 50 or so. So <laughs> why not? Sounds about right. Um, well, you come here for the Michigan scoop, right. right? That's, that's why people are, people are in for it. So, uh, for, uh, for us, we'll, we'll be back with the show next week. Uh, you know, might release on Tuesday, might release on Wednesday. Um, we don't know, uh, you know, uh, for sure, but, 
you know, everybody have a good holiday. Hope you're listening in the car as you're driving up to whatever, uh, you know, safe travels. Stay warm. Um, here we got a. I don't know how it's going to be like in Arizona for you, but uh, it's going to be. Uh, we're going to be fighting for positive temperatures the next week and a half or so. It's going to be. It's going to be bustling cold. I hear you. It's 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 supposed to get down to 65 tomorrow. Uh, so spring. Bring your parka. I have. It has been a little chilly lately. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. And until next time, uh, go Huskies. Woo. Woo.